Ah, yes. How about that? Thumping our way in on the intro there. I like to get Andy jacked up. Sometimes he comes in. I'm not sure if he's going to be mellow or not. And this way, I know I'm getting full on Andy Mack to hit the ground running here on OGP, where I am your host, Adam Marbrecht, also hosting the Locked On Nets podcast covering the Brooklyn Nets. But this is the One Giant Podcast. And my co-host is the generational New York football Giants fan, Mr. Andy Mackowitz. How are we, sir? Uh, Adam, I'm good. But, you know, I just want to let the listeners in on a little secret. We, we do oh, pre-show routine. We do show notes. We talk about what the types of topics we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, right, the little pat on the butt you gave me right at the end was, don't hold back this episode. You know, just just go for it. Don't hold back. So it makes me wonder, do you think I'm, I'm generally holding out on you and I have some really good takes that are just in the back pocket or what? No, sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's been some speculation around the podcast room, but also I, this is more Joe Judgian. You know what I mean? I, I, the, the little part I didn't throw in going to wait and see, and then I'll bring it if I have to is because otherwise there could be laps, right? I mean, that that's, that's a one-to-one. Now I have to take out your word. I get on the phone with the missus, talk to Kelly, make sure when I say lap around the com- condo complex, I mean the entire condo complex. So there's no skimping there. I mean, Adam, until you reach the uh, the weight goal that we put ahead of ourselves, a la Joe Judge, a la Kelvin Benjamin, you know, there's not going to be any laps on this side. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, listen, we all have some things we need to work on, but it's only, it's still early. We're just in training camp and that's the point. Let's get in shape. And in doing so, uh, we are approaching, obviously we're going to get into the preseason game coming up. First one for uh, the New York football giants, as well as our stadium companions, the New York jets. That'll happen on Saturday. We're excited for it. And we're going to dive in on a handful of players that we're each going to be keeping an eye on in that first preseason game. But ahead of it, there are just some of the, the roster moves that have gone on here. And I want to just jump in quickly with them, hit the bullet notes, and just anyone of them jump out at you, Andy, feel free uh, to chime in with it. Going back to starting on uh, what would have been the 8th of August, we claimed Cole, wide receiver from the Jets. We also waived Andy Jones, another wide receiver. Barkley was obviously updated uh, in his injury timeline. Rice and John uh, coming back there. John Rice and I, I keep doing last name first with him. I don't know what the deal is. Or first no, name it's, it's Rice and John. It's Rice and John. You I have it right. Oh, God, man. I have been all over the That's map. That's my guy. I know it's your boy. That's why I didn't want to get it wrong. I feel like I'm almost doing a disservice. He got updated and gets himself hopefully back into some action here over the course of preseason. couple of defensive tackles brought in as well. Maybe biggest one of note, I would say, is that RJ McIntosh, a fifth round selection a few years ago, officially released. That felt like uh, the inevitable. But did anything jump out at you here as far as the moves that the Giants made over the last five, six days? No, I mean, listen, the Giants have 90 guys plus right now that are in camp working, trying to get themselves in shape, trying to figure out where, where they end up sitting. Much like uh, what happened with Zach Fulton retiring uh, on one of our last shows, you know, I think RJ McIntosh kind of looked around and was like, I'm not making a dent in this depth chart. I'm not really moving the needle. I'm not getting the reps, even with the second or, or third team that I, I expected to get. Like, I kind of think that he saw the, the writing on the wall and it's, Unfortunately, if you go back to the 2018 draft class, Adam, it, I mean, if you look at it, it's Saquon Barkley and it's Lorenzo Carter who's been injured. And it's a whole lot of guys like Kyle Laletta and RJ McIntosh that are no longer with the Giants organization. Uh, you know, if Saquon doesn't sign a second contract, that 2018 draft might be one of the worst drafts the Giants have ever had. We'll touch on uh, Lorenzo Carter a little bit later in the show, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we did that. We've done this over the course of the offseason, right? Touching back to some of these past draft classes and 
you know, if you've got seven rounds and seven picks or you have five to seven selections in a given draft, well, you'd like to think at least three of them, <laughs> if not four, would be sticking around uh, beyond their first contracts. And as it stands right now, uh, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Not not surprising with McIntosh, uh, but certainly when you look at that that defensive unit, it, it just was pretty clear, even going back to last year, where he where he stood in the year prior in terms of the hierarchy of those players. Now, that being the case, uh, the Giants also released their first, I mean, I'm going to call it official, but unofficial depth chart. It's the first time that you can actually see the Giants put it out, not go over to ESPN or one of these other sources that sometimes you're left saying, why are they still listing that guy there? He was cut seven days ago. So on that stance, uh, once we move past those roster moves, looking at the current roster, by the Giants evaluation, does anything jump out at you uh, on either side of the ball as far as where the initial takes stand here? Let's start on the offensive side. Is there a name that jumps out at you and says, wow, I, I thought he'd be higher up or surprisingly further down? Yeah, there's a couple names that that pop up for me um, and would love to get if you felt the same thing. When, when I looked at this step chart, there was someone that I was like, okay, that makes sense. That's fine. Uh, the first name that popped up for me was was David Sills. So David Sills is is now listed uh, as basically what the fourth or fifth, um, so to speak, wide receiver ahead of guys like C.J. Board, Austin Mack, Dante Pettis, Alex Bachman. Like he's he's moved up the list quite a bit, and to see him, you know, but like basically neck and neck with Kadarius Tony for that fifth wide receiver slot. Um, I, I don't know. Would you would you do you consider that encouraging, or do you is that worrisome that he's you know separating himself from some of the other wide receivers? No, I think it's a good thing. Listen, you know he he did flash a little bit last year when given an opportunity. We've heard Joe Judge talk about him glowingly. They like what he's done in camp so far, and you know pre getting Kenny Galladay and pre signing or drafting, excuse me, uh, Kadarius Tony in the first round. If you told me that Sills was the next in the group, which would be you know behind uh, Sterling Shepard and uh, Darius Slayton, period, that's the end of the conversation as far as who, who would be there. That would look a lot different to me. But now, as it stands, you're talking again. You're talking about the fifth wide receiver, right? And just ahead of them in this group of four is John Ross, someone that you think could maybe flash. So at least initially, right now. He's also the leader in the clubhouse to secure a roster spot. So, I, I, you know, I like that balance. I don't think you and I anticipated an Austin Mack, you know, coming out of nowhere. CJ Board is going to be an interesting one as, as the next couple of weeks unfold. We know special teams value is probably the secondary component. And we had mentioned with John Ross, right, depending on who is slated to return punts and kicks, it either gives John Ross another facet to his game to bring to the table or takes one off. And then at that point, you're only examining what his receiver value is. So early, but we'll see what it looks like after the first couple of preseason games. Yeah. Adam, outside of the wide receiving room, even though I know that's a hot button issue for, for giant fans right now, was there anyone else that you kind of looked at and you were like, huh, that's interesting that that person is there or this person is not in the position that I thought they were in. Yeah, I mean, well, quickly, the the running back group, I just think, obviously, it's Barkley, Booker, Clement. So, I mean, you know, Clement seems like he's entrenched himself as that third back there. So, we'll see what happens with Morris. Uh, you know, Brightwell's looking to get his way in on special teams as well. Um, you know, on the I guess on the flip side of it, if I moved off of it, or let's stay offensive for a second here. Because when we look at the line, I, I'm not surprised by anything we see there in terms of, you know, Thomas Lemieux still listed there as the starter, even though he's dealing with his injury, Nick Gates, Hernandez, and Pert. 
but Nate Solder is your backup tackle. And Harrison, in spite of having injury concerns, is actually listed above Brett Hedgie. So, you know, I'm pointing that out just to say the fact that the Giants are putting a guy who has missed a lot of training camp ahead of a young prospect kind of tells you where they're at when when you look at the line and where their depth is right now. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I wanted to touch back on the running back uh, situation yeah. that you had mentioned before. And, you know, it's the dirty little secret out of out of uh, training camp that oh, I knew Corey, you were go here, yeah. Corey Clement is looking significantly better than Devonta Booker. And that's from multiple beat writers. I say he looks fresh. He's catching balls out of the backfield. He's, he's looking like a, a competent number two potentially behind Saquon Barkley, which – I mean, if I was going to be petty about it, I'd go back to the idea that we should have never paid as much money as we did for a number two running back early with the guaranteed dollars that we did. But I'm I'm not that even petty. though the Giants took a flyer on Clement and the league in general was like this guy could be totally washed. It looks like it's panning out nicely, which is great. But you'd rather have waited and not spent money on any type of known commodity and just take shots in the dark on a Clement or bring back an Alfred Morris. I, I listen. I said I was not going to be petty and I was sure. not going to bring up the three million dollars guaranteed th- that you know Devonta Booker got. Right, you're not going to bring up the Devontae no. Booker as a proven yeah. player that can that can be can be an all, an all three down back for the Giants. Unlike Clement, by the way, right. unlike Alfred Morris, he would be the one to one replacement on a much lower tier on the spectrum of running backs. But he's the one to one replacement if Saquon Barkley is not ready to start the season. But I digress. You're right. The, the pass catching Clement, 100. Pull, pull a guy off the street. He's better than Devonta Booker. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the offensive line. And, yeah, it, it is a little concerning to see what's what's going on. I mean, the, the problem with, with Nate Solder being where he is, it's like they've tested him out at guard to see what's going on, see what they can get from him because they're in desperate need of offensive line help, specifically at the guard position. But then he goes and gets hurt last night in in, in the FanFest warm-up activities, uh, hurt his shoulder. And I'll, I'll be honest, things are looking bleak on the offensive line. And I am, I am very worried looking at that roster and looking at the offensive line. I'm like, man, we are razor thin where if a guy tweaks an ankle, like there's someone going in there in the game that may have not even practiced that week or been on the roster five days ago. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing to me is, is first of all, yes. Right. And go back. We're talking about all these moves that were made back on the seventh Fulton retires. So again, you know, the, the multitude of retirees out of the camp, including Looney, who was brought in and then also turned around and retired, plus the injuries that, that are going on as well. I'm not going to downplay it, but I do think if if we if we assume health for Shane Lemieux getting back to the reg, uh, at the point of the regular season and we say we have Thomas Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez and Pert. OK, that, that those are guys. What I find what I will say I find interesting beyond I mentioned uh, Harrison being listed there second on the depth chart. I I'm saying an upside Chad Slade is listed behind at the guard position as well. Remember guys like Kyle Murphy or guys like Barton Burton. Like there is some familiarity in terms of players that have been on this team. Am I going to sit here and tell you that one of those guys is the neck Nick, Nick Gates that gets thrust in and shows some pluck. And all of a sudden we say, Hey, maybe we have a diamond in the rough that could, you know, be something. No, I'm not saying that, but we are still very early which is both a positive and a negative. We're early, so there's plenty of time to see how the NFL and, and cuts around the league, et cetera. We're getting some dates here in a second. There is time for that. Also, it's not the greatest sign that this early 
you've had this much kind of turnover behind the scenes of your what feel like your known commodities. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, our offensive line gives me a little bit of anxiety and agita, Adam. And I think it's better that we just take a deep breath and push it off to the side and pretend, you know, kind of bury our heads in the sand and pretend like the offensive line is completely, totally fine. And let's turn to something a little bit more positive, which is the defensive side of the ball, which we kind of say, ah, yes, we have a plethora of players that could step in and perform for us. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, was there anything from the initial depth chart that you looked at and said, Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it looks pretty descript. I mean, there's the obvious things. We've all assumed Lorenzo Carter would be getting a starting role. We know about the guys across the front. We know about Blake Martinez. Um, I, I will say Austin Johnson being in there at, at start, listed as the starter at the nose tackle position over, say, a Danny Shelton. I think this is a positive thing that this is what's coming out from the Giants. Obviously, Austin Johnson was brought in last year. And I think the real question, not just with the Giants, but in his career is, can he be that full-time player for you? Can he be consistent? And there's still nice weapons that they can rotate around there, but but him being at the top of the list, I think is a positive sign. And then if I wanted to go surprising sign, maybe in the short term, at least, Tay Crowder being listed as the, as the weak side, uh, you know, interior linebacker there alongside Blake Martinez. He got reps there last year. We know he did, right? He's a late round pick and he showed up. Is he versatile enough? Can he do enough to be paired there? I mean, I'd be borderline impressed if he wanted out, given all the other players that the Giants have on this roster. I, I know there's another name for you that was a little bit surprising where he stands as well. Well, yeah. I mean, O'Shane Ximenez being listed as a starter right now with all the uncertainty that has kind of surrounded him so far and, and all the things that you hear out of camp with Aziz Ojolari being explosive and exciting. You know, seeing you know X-Man be listed as, as a starter on the depth chart not necessarily surprising because they kind of just default to listing veterans or people who have been around uh, as the starters to start. Um, I would expect to see some, some different changes there. You know, when we talk about some of the outside linebacking and edge rushing positions, you look at guys like Cam Brown and, and Ellerson Smith that are, that are kind of at the bottom of the depth chart and, and, and Onanigbo and, and Nico Lalas are even listed in, in, in front of those guys, you know, Ellerson Smith was a, a late round pick that you thought could be an interesting guy with his athleticism and, and speed and, and sheer, you know, height. Um, now I'm kind of even wondering just seeing him so far down the jet depth chart, whether or not he's going to be able to make the roster considering we're probably going to need to bring in a couple extra offensive linemen to be able to help us. And you've seen with the wide receiver position, you got guys like CJ board who will pitch in on special teams, but you might need to keep someone like David Sills around that starts eating up roster spots that you would love to be able to have for some of those edge rushers and outside linebackers. Yeah, and I don't, I don't love seeing. I'd like to see Ellerson Smith above uh, Nico, obviously, right? That that probably be what you want to see. Now he had a little bit of a tweak ish, maybe depending on who you listen to. Uh, Dave Kettleman and Joe Judge were not entirely on the same page uh, around what caused the minor injury. But, you know, young player, rookie, so I'm willing to give him a little bit. You do mention Cam Brown. I'm going to touch on him uh, when we talk about Saturday night's game as well. That's that's the more alarming of the two, I would say, uh, just because you have Odin Ingbo there. I, I just, I assumed, right? I mean, Trent Harris is getting listed second behind Lorenzo Carter right now. So 
you know, take this snapshot in this moment and then let's come back to it, you know, after the first preseason game and then let's get another week out and we'll start to solidify some things because I do think, especially with any of the young names you see, veterans you see listed low like Ryan Anderson, he's not making the roster. So you can go ahead and just <laughs> write him off uh, from your dance card. It's unfortunate, unfortunate with the injuries he dealt with. But when you see young names, what you like to see over the course of preseason is the young names start to move up a little bit, right? If they're if there's a position where the backup role is up for grabs. So that's what I'll keep an eye on. And if guys like like Brown especially can't move up, then you at least think in the big picture, hey, this, this may not be a guy that has uh, as much length on as we would like. That being the case, when we turn our attention to that Saturday night special, the quick note here is that the Giants currently sit at 92 members of this roster. By uh, the 17th of August, they're going to need to be down to 85. And by the 24th of August, they'll need to be down to 80 before ultimately August 31st and the 53-man official roster. A couple years ago when they shortened the preseason games, they also expanded how long and how big the rosters could be later into the offseason. So you can evaluate more guys. From a got to get seven guys down by the 17th, I have zero concerns. I could rattle off seven of those players pretty quickly. What I think is most important to note is that it will open up. We talk about the offensive line, the, the the state of things. All of a sudden, other teams will be making cuts and releases, and then you'll also get a better sense of how the Giants feel about some of these names behind the starters across that front. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm very nervous, as we talked about the offensive line before, but there's going to be a lot of good players being cut all around the league over the next three weeks. And as you pointed out, some of the different uh, entry points in, in which they're going to be available. So I think the Giants are being patient. They're not just saying, let's throw a third-round draft pick at some kind of offensive lineman from another team and try to make it better by wasting draft picks. Let's see if you know who else becomes on the open market that we can get on the cheap. I think... You know, Saturday night, there's a couple of different players that I'm interested in watching. A this lot is of no longer has... the Snoopy Bowl anymore, right? We did away with that. It, We've done away with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, that's that, right? yeah. Let's just are, let's are just... we are, are even the Jets for whatever their successes on the field have or have not been. Even the Jets, we're, we're you know, we're New York, New Jersey based football teams. We don't need to deal in this type of pageantry with a silly trophy. Yeah, and preseason game. Excuse me. Go on. The, the Snoopy Bowl. Ridiculous. I think, uh, you know, the, I, I, I already I already mentioned him a little bit earlier, Adam, but I am really interested in seeing David Sills get some run um, with the first team and Daniel Jones. And the reason why is because, you know, David Sills, Joe Judge came out and said, wherever Daniel Jones was, David Sills went. He traveled all far and wide, whether it was at, at Duke, you know, at the Duke campus or out in California, David Sills was like, I need to be catching passes from Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. And we, after the first couple of weeks of camp, guess what? No surprise. David Sills is starting to move up the list in terms of some of Daniel Jones's favorite targets. I'd love to see it not only in, in just practices and training camp and in the offseason, but let's start seeing it in, in some games that start to matter a little bit more. Yeah. And, it, you know, if David Sills gets a little bit of run, because they're probably not going to Go too crazy with Kadarius Tony. I expect Sterling Shepard to get a handful of reps. You know Kenny Galladay is not going to be out there. David Sills is going to have an opportunity to make a couple plays early in the game in the first quarter, potentially with Daniel Jones out there. Yeah, and I think by and large, a lot of the names we're going to talk about are second and third unit guys, right? Because we, we, the starters aren't going to be out there long. There'll be plenty of time. Maybe it's the second game. 
and over the course of the preseason, we get a look at some of those guys up front. I, I do. I, I think it's important, right? Is this a guy that solidified himself on this roster? I, I like that take. Um, I'm going to mention a high-profile name before I get into a much deeper dive, and that's Will Hernandez. We, we talked about the offensive line. To me, I, I almost would be buoyed if Hernandez does not get a lot of snaps because that means that it's working out in training camp and things are looking sharp. And then you're going to go ahead and let guys in front of Mike Glennon or potentially right. Let guys like Hedgie get a look, let guys like Burton and Barton get a look, go ahead, run out these other players, whatever sample size I do get from Hernandez. I just want to see, could be a couple of runs, could be, you know, nice little bit of pass protection. Show me that you're looking effective because as thin as the depth may be on the line, that would certainly move the needle and saying, okay, is that a, is this another box at least checked enough for this year coming off of a, a very up and down performance last season for him? That would be nice. The deep dive that I want to get to, though, is in that running back room. And, and it is beyond. Great preseason, great training camp uh, for Clement. Awesome. I'm watching Gary Brightwell. By all indications, he's going to make this roster through special teams efforts. And that's great. And that, that, that that's more than enough for him to be checking that in his rookie year. But again, because one, you're not going to see Saquon Barkley this preseason because two, even if maybe Clement is looking better, they'll, I think there's an opportunity for a battle there, but I also think that the giants are going to protect Booker a bit too. If, if they view him as the number one backup and the guy that could fill in for the first couple of weeks, that means that Brightwell could get some reps just by default. And just from a developmental standpoint, I'd like to see him come in, look crisp, right? Maybe throw a couple of blocks in if he's alongside the quarterback, get a couple of nice runs, maybe catch a couple passes. Like, this is what the preseason is for, is to see if, can Gary Brightwell be a a future contributor for this team at, at some point over the year when Morris inevitably gets hurt or Clement, right? All these guys have injury concerns around them. It'd be nice to see him step up. So that's going to be a fun one for me to keep an eye on, on Saturday. Yeah, I think Brightwell's a, a good one because he's definitely going to get the reps. The way the way you described it is perfect. I don't need to uh, wax poetic too too much about you know Saquon being out or them you know potentially just giving Booker a little bit of limited reps, knowing that he's going to be a contributor starting week one. Um, I, I think that's fascinating. You know, Alfred Morris. We already know what we get from him. You know, I thought I thought uh, Plutzgammer was going to be the name that you ended up pulling out of there because of your international flair, Adam. But uh, apparently. Uh, you're you're really uh focused it's a tricky one, man. well it's tricky because i <laughs> this may be a little greedy on my part because theoretically if platzgummer gets some reps and he looks pretty good i also think that he's probably a cut and get him to the practice squad candidate so if he looks decent you know there's a world where some team does take a flyer on him if the giants cut him I and mean, it's probably true of both of them i always feel like draft picks right you, you try to avoid having them have to go through some type of of process before you officially get them to your practice squad We'll see. I, I I wouldn't hate seeing Platzgummer just to know what the heck he's capable of at the NFL level. That that being the case, I think a lot more of the intrigue for me is certainly on the defensive side. I'll, I'll quickly tip the cap. Uh, tight ends, let show me somebody that can block. Not going to be one of the top end guys, but show me someone that can block with consistency because there's a role there on the roster. Defensively, though, when, when I flip the page over here, I, I mean, I've got a laundry list, man. The number one, I'll start with what we talked about. Austin Johnson, you're listed number one on the depth chart. Are you the number one there now? Because it'd be nice. You know Leonard Williams is a starter. You know Dexter Lawrence is a starter. I'd feel even more bullish if you told me Austin Johnson outright won this job with other nice competition there. That means that we talk about depth. Hey, we feel really strong at that position. I'll, I'll watch the reps. I hope that it looks good. 
is there anybody that jumps out to you? Because I, I have ones in the linebacking core and also in the secondary that I think are very intriguing to watch on Saturday night. Yeah, I think the to be honest with you, the, the quarterback room is what I uh, what I'm really interested in. You know, uh, w- when you think about where the Giants have gone in the last like 12 months, you, you basically had James Bradbury and nobody else, and you were wondering what what are the Giants going to do. Now the Giants, I feel, have an embarrassment of riches in the cornerback room. And when you think about it, Dory Jackson probably not going to get too much run. Bradbury probably not going to get too much run. What I think is surprising on the depth chart is to see, you know, Aaron Robinson, our third-round draft pick, is listed as, as one of the four strings right next to Sam Beal. And Sam Beal is someone that we've basically left for dead, uh, you know, on the in, in terms of making the roster – like if I think that he's gone and Aaron Robinson is sitting at the same spot that he is, I'm a little concerned. But maybe that's the reason, Adam, that they also went out and drafted Rodarius Williams, who apparently has been the star of training camp by shutting down people with as his athleticism and length. So maybe maybe they just tried both and was like hoping to hit a lotto ticket. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, the, the core muscle surgery for Aaron Robinson, he's been a little bit limited in, in the in the training camp, so that's that's going to impact him. But Radarius Williams has certainly been turning heads at camp, which is great to see because, to your point, Bradbury, Jackson, let's put Holmes in there, also is at a very nice camp. Well, you can lock those guys in, right? When you get in behind them and you start to think about Radarius Williams, if he's looking good, that's great. And right now, by the way, this is kind of the thing that, that, that I also thought was going to be fun to watch on Saturday night and over the course of preseason. Isaac Yadam. He's listed behind James Bradbury. Why? Because he's a known commodity. It's simple as that, right? Like the Giants probably didn't want to have him out there getting max reps as a starter last year. But he, but I think what they took away was, well, this guy can play though. Maybe we don't want to use him as much as we did, but he can be a contributor. I think he's your safety valve when you look at this depth chart. If the Giants could move off of him because someone else took his place, they'd be happy to. And to your point, nothing would make me happier than to see Sam Beal show up here. And, you know, by all indications, he's going to need to absolutely light up preseason to have a chance to make this roster because he's not doing it in camp. I'll give the caveat, though, just like Nate Soldier. Remember, Sam Beal did opt out, go all the way back to when we thought end of the year prior when DeAndre Baker was still a member of this team and Sam Beal showed a little flash and we thought, hey, maybe we're finally getting that sample a year out of football. Maybe he just needs, I'm willing to give him a little bit of time here to see if he has to ramp himself back up. Obviously, I'm not going to be dismayed if they cut him, but I'll be, I'll be very curious because I think there is talent there. Maybe he can scratch the surface and just get himself on the back end of this roster. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing I will say is this, and I'm going to come up with a couple predictions here. One is that one, the first round of roster cuts, Sam Beal will no longer be on this roster. The first round. And, and the reason why is because if you look at it, they, the Giants just invested in Aaron Robinson, right? Like he is a third round pick. He's had a slow go with, with some injuries. He's going to make this roster, right? So yeah. if he's going to make this roster, then then you have uh, Madre Harper in front of him, who is a special teams contributor, which we know Joe Judge likes. If Rodarius Williams is going to make this roster, if Darnay Holmes is going to make this roster, if Yedem restructured his contract to make it so that he's wor- he's like one of the cheapest guys on the roster to be able to keep – but it guaranteed a lot of dead cap hit and dead, dead money if he, if he stays. Like, he's not going anywhere. And then you have Bradbury and Adoree Jackson. Like, there's literally no room at the end, no matter how Sam Beal, Beal performs. So to, to be honest with you, he feels like a sitting duck right now, and I would expect him to be gone. And his kind of, like, tumultuous start with, with, with the New York football giants will come to an end. 
I, I would assume so as well. If he makes it through the first week, the 17th, then I, I might be I might be saying, hey, and again, Saturday night, maybe he did something, right? Otherwise, you assume he's gone. Last quick footnote in the secondary, uh, when we look at the safety position, again, on, the, on that depth chart, Logan Ryan being listed at free safety ahead of Xavier McKinney. Julian Love will be backing up Jabril Peppers. Um, you know, my assumption is that Xavier McKinney is going to be getting the bulk of the reps there alongside Peppers. This feels like a matter of, you know, when, not if he gets named the starter as good. Uh, we love Logan Ryan. We love his versatility. I don't want to go into the regular season with him named the starter. I want Xavier McKinney, the guy that we stole in the second round. He needs to be the guy that's starting position. I assume that that's the case. Otherwise, not unlike some other players, it's not a knock on, on Logan Ryan, but I'd be saying, okay, Xavier, <laughs> you should be able to beat out a veteran a veteran safety slash you know jack-of-all-trades secondary member like Logan Ryan in a very positive way. The only caveat I put in there is we know what Logan Ryan's value is, his leadership, right? He is an incredibly dedicated to the Joe Judge way, and that could be as much of it, right? There's a world where Logan Ryan is named a team captain on this roster, and the starting role could be ceremonial in that effect. Well, I mean, you don't sign a guy for $10 million a year for, for three years to go play backup. Like there's no backup in the league that signs a contract then immediately goes and becomes a backup. And to your point, he's a veteran leader. He might be the captain. He's the heart and soul. He's a great communicator and leader. I've got no problems with him there because to be honest with you, Patrick Graham has, a whole host of players that he's got to put in these different positions in terms of like the depth chart. But we know yeah. that there's going to be a lineup where Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, and Xavier McKinney are all in the lineup at the same time contributing. And the fact that we have so many different cornerbacks and so many different people at the you know free safety and strong safety position, there are going to be exotic looks being thrown at defenses. So while other positions, I may be like, huh, that's interesting. The safety position, I'm kind of like, well, there's three starters and you can only name two, and this guy's the youngest one out of all of them. So what are we going to do? Like, well, we'll just put that guy back there until we really need to make a change. And by the way, earn it, right? You can earn it. You can go ahead and earn it. You take that starting job away from Logan Ryan if if you've done that. And at least by the first breath, it looks like McKinney has not accomplished that goal in the course of training camp. The one we'll get out, out, out on here for me. You mentioned him before, uh, Ocean Eximenez. I think he's a good one to watch on Saturday night. If he's being listed in the starting unit, the question will, this is just like in the same way as a Will Hernandez. If if Ocean doesn't play a lot of reps, then I'm probably a little more bullish about where his status is on this roster. If you see him get big run, then I think that they're just trying to give him reps to see what if he's back and he's healthy, if he can be an impact player for them. But beyond that, in that linebacking group, I go into two guys that have had position changes. One in Cam Brown has been cross-trained very deep on the depth chart. And then right now, Carter Coughlin. When I look inside the room on the interior of the linebacking group, it's Blake Martinez, obviously. My assumption was Tay Crowder, more of a coverage linebacker. Okay, there's situational usage there. Reggie Ragland, better against the run, situational usage there. We all know where I stand on Carter Coughlin and where I come from with him, but I think he offers the best hybrid dual value alongside Blake Martinez to be able to do a little bit of both. At the end of the day, I think this is probably going to be a 30-30-30 kind of split between someone next to Blake Martinez, right? Situational usage for a lot of these guys. But I'm going to be watching Carter Coughlin very intently because they moved him inside. And I'm not getting ahead of myself here, but I do think the idea from the second that they drafted him was this is the player that we develop over the first two or three years of his career. 
He has the the IQ, the motor. I mean, he almost is built like a Blake Martinez, right? High football IQ, high motor guy, not the most athletic, not the highest measurables, but understands how to play football. Like, that's what I think the Giants would like to build him into. And the only way you can check that box is if you start to see rep uptick as, as you move along. Yeah, uh, just one quick thing on Carter. I, I agree with you. Obviously, I like my football players to actually just do one thing and one thing well, which I do, I think is the knock on Carter Coughlin. It's like there's not one thing that he does really well. It's not like he's the most unbelievable tackler or he can get to the quarterback at will. Like He's just like, like you said, a football player. But to, to Carter Coughlin, Coughlin's credit, you know, the way the Giants are structured, it actually is a benefit because there are a lot of Swiss Army knives that are on the Giants. So they do have these exotic looks. It's not like, okay, you have your two linebackers that are absolutely going to be in the same spot every time. You have your two safeties that are going to be over the top of them every single play. You have your two co- – like, it's not going to be that type of look. So – Carter Coughlin might actually get more reps as a result of the flexibility that the other players provide as well. So you can see some unique and exotic formations, uh, you know, with Carter Coughlin in there. And and by the way, full credit to Tate Crowder for being listed number one on this chart. I think most people kind of wrote it off as, yeah, thanks for what you did last year, but we weren't expecting you. You He's still there. So he's, he's, he's earning that spot. But to your point, you know, we mentioned Ellerson Smith and Cam Brown. If those guys are struggling or they're still coming along, Now, all of a sudden, Carter Coughlin, well, you were on the outside. You got some pressure on the quarterback last year, so he can probably find some flexibility and usage across this roster. Listen, those are a handful of the names to watch. What is the the big (laughs) takeaway at the end of the day, as we like to say? It's a preseason game. The scoreline is going to be meaningless, so none of that's going to matter. But but the reps are important, and for a team that feels like it's about to turn that corner, when you're going up against an absolutely terrible secondary, in in the New York Jets, that means that whether it's three snaps for Daniel Jones, look really good when you throw those balls, right? A couple of runs, whatever it may be. And the second team should be able to get good reps. Sills should be able to get a lot of reps and look really good doing it. You should almost be dominant. John Ross should be dominant. That's what you can expect there. And then likewise on the flip side, this is a, a pretty deep unit at certain positions in the secondary and across the defensive front. When that second unit offensive line gets in, you should be dominating. Even our backups should be dominating. So those are the you know a couple of those key things that you can watch for on Saturday night. And what should be listen, just fun because the New York Football Giants are officially going to be playing football. But there, there's there's going to be some takeaways here that we'll be back in on Monday. And I think really digesting. Keep an eye on Mike Glennon. So I know you may say, oh, the backup quarterback, who cares? <laughs> but we, he has thrown quite a few different picks, and the the jokes from the media is like. This is why he is a perennial backup because he makes these these crazy mistakes. But just remember, Daniel Jones has been injured both in in both years of his career so far. The backup quarterback is going to be important. I'm he's going to get a ton of reps in this game because Daniel Jones will probably get what one series. Keep an eye on it because he's going to be the one throwing a lot of those passes to the aforementioned John Ross and David Sills. So keep an eye on that. It'd be interesting to see if there's a backup controversy with how Clayton Thorson ends up. Yeah, listen, he'll get some reps too, right? It's open competition. Don't forget, place kickers, they're also in a battle right now. We've got multiple. We've got options on the roster. We'll be back in on Monday. Uh, We'll break down what we saw on Saturday night, and we'll probably do a little bit of that stock up, stock down, and go back and look at this depth chart and kind of say, who do you think is going to take a little tumble here? Who do you think is on the rise? You can follow us on social media, One Giant Podcast, and of course, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as always... 
and never more important this offseason than right now ahead of Saturday night, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.